really good to have my wife, Chris, here. And we have not uh, done this for a while together, and so back in the saddle again. We are especially thankful for uh, you all attending and worshiping with us, as Doug said. This series we've really been talking about, um, encouraging people in whatever God has called them to do, to be living for God and inspired. Uh, we're aware that sometimes uh, people begin to think that God's work is done just inside the walls of a church. And this ser- series is really to uh, highlight the fact that God's work is done all over the world through different professions, through different kinds of work, through homemakers, through farming, through teaching, through working in business. And so we've been telling different stories about people's call before God and how they're serving God in, in arenas outside the church and encouraging that. And it's based on a verse found in Colossians chapter 3. And I want to read that for you now. Colossians chapter 3. This is the theme verse for this series. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. He says it three times in here. Whatever you do, starting in verse 23 again, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord uh, as a reward for uh, serving Christ in this way. And 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And we've been holding up two images in this series to kind of help our thinking. Uh, some people, you know, think of life in more of a pie-shaped form as a very divided categories in their life. And, and the pie shape we've been showing, you know, there's money, sleep, relationships, family. And God is just one piece of the pie and job and daily duties. And the book of Acts, and Alice mentioned this verse last week, in, it says, in Him, in God, we live and move and have our being. Literally have our being. He is the life source for us and He wants to empower all of life for us. And so we've been holding up more the donut shape illustration as a, as a better way of thinking about life with God being a part of every aspect of our lives, flowing into every aspect of our lives. And then we've just been having people share how God has been a part of their life and encouraging people to see what God is calling them to do, as long as it's, you know, upright and moral before God, as a way to serve Him and give Him glory and honor and praise, and really even advance His kingdom and be the aroma of Christ in the world, outside the church walls, whatever their workplace. And so, Chris, we have you here today, and uh, you you have a unique call before God. And th- these two pie charts are not a challenge for you. I know your story a little bit, and when you were growing up, this was modeled very well for you, that God is present in the whole world and can be served in many different ways. And so you want to share about that first? Um, Well, it started out when I was little. My um, folks, my mom's a homemaker, and there were four of us girls, and my dad was a dentist. And so we were a little bit involved. He was in his own practice, and he served four generations of families. And um, as I got older, every once in a while in the summer, I would help out. And I could understand that he had relationships with his patients that were personal, and he made dentistry as fun as he possibly could. And people actually almost even liked coming to see him, he found out when he retired. And so then um, also every Sunday we were in church, and I'd watch him faithfully give to the church and serve in the church. And same with my mom, and I thought, well, that's cool. 
that, you know, he can be like a dentist and a Christian. And then in junior high, I had an FCA leader who was an appliance store owner. So he sold dishwashers and ovens and stoves, and, and his wife was a homemaker. And he's actually the guy who told me about Jesus for, for real. Even though I'd been going to church, I, I knew about Jesus, but I didn't understand I needed a relationship with him. So in junior high, I had this awesome picture of a man in the marketplace who would give tons of his time as a volunteer to junior high, squirrely junior high kids. He'd haul us all to camp in uh, Colorado every summer. And so my picture of serving God in, in just day-to-day life was really pretty clear. And then I had, um, we went to a church and, um, from like zero to 16 and, um, it was a nice minister and stuff. He kind of like read stories out of a book to us and, um, it wasn't like, you know, really awe-inspiring. And he had a son in my Sunday school who was the biggest rapscallion I'd ever seen. And I thought, wow, that's the minister's kid. Wow. Glad I wouldn't ever want to raise one of those. And, and then, and then in high school, my folks had transferred to a little tiny church. The minister had an affair with the choir lady. And then in college, I was going to a really, really big church, really charismatic church, totally God-filled minister who had an affair with a different choir lady. Thank heavens we don't have a choir. <laughs> <laughs> Scary. And that's why I went, wow, that's awkward. Okay? I... I am not that interested in ministers. So, so early on, <laughs> early on in life, really the models of the Christian life were your dad who was a dentist and just spread grace as, even as he did his work. I mean, the guy is humorous. He's funny. And I would ask him when I was first dating Chris, how, how's the dentistry going? Ah, oh, it's all down in the mouth, he'd say. <laughs> but he was bringing jokes to that arena of his life and really ministering to people through that in his workplace. And then you had a Fellowship of Christian Athletes leader who kind of volunteered his time to do that, ran an appliance store, but really saw his whole life as ministry. And you saw them as an example of the Christian life, and the ministers you saw weren't great examples. So you made a decision early on. You had a a discussion with your sister in the hallway. You've told me about it many times. Why don't you tell the group about it? I may have told you this, but I was um, just, I think, a freshman in college, and my sister was a year ahead of me, and she said... um, you know, I really want to marry a minister. I could play the piano and sing, and he could preach. And I thought, that sounds horrible. <laughs> and I actually said, I will never marry a minister. Said it with my own mouth, never marry a minister. And um, <clears throat> I meant it, because I wasn't particularly inspired by the ones I'd seen. And um, it was at some point... After I met Tim, that things things were going along pretty well. We didn't meet until I was um, well. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I'm not quite I as know polished that, but as I was you are, let honey. You go there, okay, help me out. At this Bring point in your life, um, you know, you made that decision, and then you got into college, and there came a point where you were sitting in a church service, and you weren't sure what you were going to do with your life, and it was a defining moment for you. Yeah, it was after my sophomore year of, of college, and um, I was sitting in this big church, and there was an altar call, and there was a band, and the band was playing this song called, Here Am I, Send Me to the Nations, and it was a great song, and the minister gave an altar call 
for people who hadn't accepted Christ to come forward and receive forgiveness for their sins and, and that they could be assured of a place in heaven. And I knew in junior high that I had done that, and so I was just enjoying the music. And then he went on to say, um, now if you're here and you've you know, received assurance of your salvation and you've trusted Jesus and, and you're willing to serve God with your life, no matter what he calls you to do, if he calls you to be a plumber, you'll do it for Jesus. If he calls you to be a teacher, you'll do it for Jesus. And I'm going, yeah, yeah. If he calls you to be a nurse, you'll do it for Jesus. I'm thinking, be harder, but okay. And then I'm thinking, and then he goes, and if he calls you to be a missionary to Africa, you'd go for Jesus. And I was with him right till, and I know we got great missionaries to Africa amongst us. Thank heavens. But I heard him say that and I went, Lord, you know, I do a lot of things, and I'm having this little conversation. I do just about anything, but I really don't want to go to Africa. And um, so I thought, I'm good. I'm not going to raise my hand on this when we got this going on, this deal with me and the Lord. And, and then my heart started to pound. And I felt like people around me in like a four-foot area could see my heart beating out of my chest, and it was like I couldn't sit there. And so I got up, and I'm bawling and I'm walking to the front of the church and I'm like I'm on my way to Africa I just know it (laughs) and I just had this feeling in my heart like if it's really what God is God's calling me to Africa I wouldn't even be happy in Iowa I might be clean but I wouldn't be happy so I said okay Lord if that's where I'm gonna go I'll go for you and it was just this total surrender of my life to him and um things went is there something for you to say here? No, just at that point, at that point, you really had come to that point and said, God, whatever you want to do with my life. And uh, whenever Chris shares that, you know, I think of Romans chapter 12, where it says, in view of God's mercy, of his kindness, of who he is, his grace, the only reasonable thing to do is offer your life as a living sacrifice to him. And he really, I mean, he hasn't sent us to, you know, you to Africa yet. We may yet get there. Um, but he was preparing you for something else at that point that you didn't see. And you want to talk about that? Um, yeah, I felt like I had really kind of dodged a bullet because I believe you were majoring in business. Yeah. And that was working out. And then when Tim, I was, I'm two years older. And, um, so I was, I'd taken a job in Des Moines in, in business actually. And Tim, uh, upon graduation took a job at that Bible camp you've heard about. And, um, he was making the winning amount of money of $100 a month. And I went, okay, this is one of the problems I had in mind when I thought about marrying a minister. Not just the weekends, but they don't pay either. So how are we going to provide for the family, honey? Well, we get a house, he said, and we'll get a lot of our food paid for. And, and I'm like, okay, well, that's a good start. So anyway, um, he actually proposed, and I, I said yes. And then it, it occurred to me like two or three years later that that moment I had in church, God was like, when I had said I'd never marry a minister, he was actually reopening my heart to the idea of whatever he had in mind for me I would do. And he actually did have in mind for me to marry a minister. I'm happy you did, too, babe. That's been... <laughs> so then now God's kind of not just being married uh, to a minister, but he's given real clear um, callings for you personally. And he's kind of prioritized them in your heart, you feel like. And to really have how to serve him with the way he made you. Um, my mom was a homemaker, and so that was my model. And so I never dreamed of working once I had children. And Tim got um, called to work here when I was pregnant with Isaac. 
it was our first child. And um, so I was, I was like 15 months pregnant when we moved and then um, gave birth two months later and then started staying home. And I thought, now this is going to be really fun because this is what I've always kind of dreamed of. And um, Ike was huge and hungry and antsy. So he ate and then did what you do after you eat. And then he never slept. And then he did that like every two hours in that order all night long, all day long. And I went, okay, wow, I am not currently living the dream. I would sit there nursing the child and I would see the plants in the living room are dying, not getting them watered home all day. Home all day with the baby, okay? It was a little tough when I'd come home and say, Hon, what have you been doing all day? <laughs> just, if you're a young dad, just, just, I mean. Try not to say that because I didn't know either, but I was exhausted. And, um, okay, so this is kind of how this went. And because we were new to town and we didn't have family in town and we didn't have, I didn't have any real friendship networks yet. And, you know, I'm an extrovert, okay? God made me that way. I get energy from being with people, not necessarily one infant. So we would go to Hy-Vee. We would go to Walmart. We got to know the checker at Hy-Vee on a first-name basis. She just came to one of Isaac's basketball games last year. We were in Hy-Vee a lot. We needed outings. And um, so anyway, I was, uh, but I was convinced in my heart that I'm a mom, and I'm the only mom these babies are going to have. And I'm going to do whatever I can to raise them. And um, I came across this this quote that just like kind of propelled me. It said, "A home combines the shelter from physical storms and floods with the reality of tiny, growing human beings finding shelter they need. Family and home are meant to be the environment where we find warmth, protection, and safety in each other. For this to happen, there needs to be a homemaker exercising some measure of skill, imagination, and desire to fulfill needs and give pleasure to others in the family." And this spoke to me, and God kind of spoken into my heart that this was the calling I had. And uh, to make the most of it, it got easier. Um, I met great people, and we started little moms, things moms do to encourage each other. And um, <clears throat> when Ike was five, I remember it. I was, he would, the, he, the bus pulled up. It's the first day of school. And I, I didn't want him to get on the bus. I could hardly bear the thought of him going to school all day and... Um, what, would, what was going to happen to that innocent child. And uh, I remember in my spirit, I just felt like the Lord said, you did it. And it was just this knowing that I did, had done something that was way, way, way harder than I thought it was going to be, and um, that he was kind of okay with the average job I did. So anyway. So you really felt called like that and being a homemaker, and you've done that over the years and done a great job at that. And then after uh, Isaac went to school and Adrian... You started to say, Lord, how else can I serve you? And he's given you something else. Yeah, I thought it'd be fun to kind of get back into the workplace and um, be around some people and make a little money if possible. And so um, Tim, being a minister, had the idea we should pray about that. You know, like, and typically just ministers think of prayer. So that worked out. Well, we're trying, you know, with that graph for everybody to kind of be thinking oh. this way. <laughs> so anyway, he said, so we prayed and we waited and it was over a year. And nothing from the Lord. And we have never yet heard an audible voice. When I just say, you know, you just have that thought that comes into your head that you know you didn't think of, and that's how you know it's the Lord. Um, And it was like, I was getting really antsy, and Tim goes, babe, you know, you've got a lot of good ideas. We are waiting on a God idea, because your good ideas make me tired. (laughs) 
So we waited, and I think it was another six months. And then just as clear as anything, I was uh, going to sleep one night, and into my mind comes the idea of taking a big white barn that had 250 hogs and six inches of packed hog manure on the floor and 500 bales of straw upstairs. And just this thought came, turn that into a store. You know, you could do your crafts, and you could do your little hospitality coffee thing, and you love to bake. And I said, Tim, Tim, I know what I can do for my job. And he was just thinking about falling asleep. And he said, oh, babe, go back to sleep. And I said, that had to be God. That had to be God. I would have never thought of that. I hate that barn. And he said, okay, well, let's just talk about it in the morning. And I couldn't fall asleep that whole night. I just kept thinking, this could really happen. And so we, Tim came along, and uh, we kind of kept praying a little bit more and felt like maybe this was really God leading us this direction. And um, we worked about a year. and We've got it up and rolling. Now, it's rolling. just for you in serving the Lord that way, how has it affected you, just that part of your life? You talked about the children growing you in patience and... Um, but you've grown spiritually through what God has called you to do out there. I've never exercised so much faith in my life. Um, we put a fair amount of money into getting it started on this idea that we believed it was a God idea. And um, there were days, and I had pictured just a part-time job for me. Um, there were days when like maybe seven or eight people would come. And, by the way, we also felt impressed by the Lord not to advertise for the first year. Now, that's a unique business plan. You know, you got a little something out in the country, nobody knows about it, and you're not supposed to advertise. So we thought that might be a God idea, too, because that was not something we'd have thought of. So um, it was real quiet, and it, it I just, really, that scripture, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Um, I thought, okay, Lord, this is, I'm exercising these faith muscles, and I'm just hoping that this is pleasing to you because I really feel like this is where you're calling us. And um, that went on um, and still does to this day. I feel like when I walk, take that long commute from the house to the barn, and I, I every day ask the Lord, fill me with your spirit, help me to be a conduit of your love and grace to whoever walks in this barn, and then, Lord, please bring some people and compel them to be encouraged and want to come back because of something they've sensed here from you. And um, that is something that I can't conjure up on my own. That has to be God working through me, and, and now I have some really great help too. So. And then through the, through, just through that work, you've been able to minister in a number of ways. Yeah, I never believed like that the vendors that would bring me their food, because so much of what we sell is locally made, um, I had a lady say to me, she had tears in her eyes, and she said, you know, that because I can sell my chenille bunnies and my dish rags and all these little crafty things I do, I've been able to pay medical bills for my husband for the last 10 years. And she said, this has been such a blessing in my life. And um, the Lord has just brought people who have needed a source of income to me, and I've needed what they make. And it's been a really cool relationship. And then um, my staff, there's 10 of us that work there now, and we're kind of like a small group. And um, every once in a while I have to remind them, you know, we've got the customers that were, you know, that's why we're here. But um, it's a really fun group. We can kind of encourage each other and um, spur each other on with kids and all the stuff that that is. And um, I had a lady say to me this, this fall, she said, um, one of my workers, she said, you know, I'm my best person when I'm working in the barn. 
And I just thought that is a work of the Lord himself. And um, so I've just been thankful that God's brought me a lot of really neat Christian women. And um, then the third thing, I love the customers. I mean, some of these people, I just absolutely, when I see them walk in, it just makes my day. They are a huge encouragement to me. Um, I had a note from a lady who was new to town, and she pulled into the, she'd heard about it, and she pulled into the driveway, didn't really want to come in. She didn't like it here. Her husband got transferred here. And she thought, oh, I'm just going to, I guess I'll go in. And we were randomly playing some Christian music that day. We do that. Do a little John Denver. We got a little Barry Manilow, Neil Diamond, and God music. It's all there, depending on the day, the time. We happened to be playing a little God music that day, and she liked it, and it blessed her, and she wrote me a note, and she said, I just got a sense that it's going to be okay when living here in Cedar Falls. And um, so it's just kind of random cool things happen and that lets me know God's still in it and for me and well thanks for sharing about your work with the Lord babe and really just it's just another story of stories we're trying to highlight that anywhere any place in an old dilapidated barn um, Chuck serving people and with their financial planning (laughs) teachers in the classroom you know we have people leading in our community, working in manufacturing plants, can all serve Christ. And our calls are so different. I want to share a quote with you from Eric Little. And Chris, you know, you've said, when you're offering hospitality, you feel alive with God. And that's just a service of work to him. And Eric Little said, you know, when I run, he's, he's, his, the movie about him was Chariots of Fire. He was an Olympian. And uh, his, his family were missionaries. But he said, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. And we're all wired different, and we can serve him in totally unique ways. And then Eric Little, when he was pushed about his missionary service, he said this, We're all missionaries. Wherever we go, we either bring people near to Christ, or we repel them from Christ. And what Paul said in Colossians, Whatever you do, whatever you do, you can do it all for the glory of God and in service to him. And for this, wherever it is, if you're serving the Lord Christ in this way, we'll all be rewarded. And uh, Alice talked last week about how this thinking has not been permeating through the church, but we want it to. As you serve Christ in the community, God sees this and he will reward this in our lives. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time and this opportunity. And we're going to move into a time of communion now where we break the bread and we share of the wine. And it's really a symbol of the grace we need because we imperfectly live out our lives before you. And sometimes we don't see them for the service they can be to you and the glory and honor they can bring to you. So I pray that you help us do this as we, as we share in communion together to be reminded that your grace covers us and we can be inspired and empowered to serve you in whatever way you call us. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.